Welcome to the preaching ministry of Tri-City Baptist Church in Chandler, Arizona. Our desire is that God would be magnified through the preaching of His Word, and that Christians would be challenged, strengthened, and edified in their personal walk with Christ. All right, we're in 1 Peter chapter 4 this evening, 1 Peter chapter 4. I'd like to preach tonight on use your gifts for the glory of God. I want to share some things related to missions along the way. And uh, I don't know if for you, missions kind of seems like something far away. Do you ever feel like that? You know, something can change that for you. If you'll just take a trip to a mission field. I remember years ago, a pastor in Chicago uh, hounded me as a preacher, as a young, fairly young preacher. He said, you've got to get to the mission field. And I was thankful, I guess, for his words. And he was in a nice, probably somewhat affluent church. And I was a actually a poor little teacher in a college with four children trying to just make ends meet. And I, I, I finally said, after he hounded me more than once, I said, I don't have anything to go to the mission field with. Like, stop it. That was kind of how I was. Now, doesn't sound very uh, spiritual there, but uh, I, that's how I felt. Well, lo and behold, there was a lady in his church that had a particular burden for sending people to the mission field. She and her husband. They both had large accident insurance settlements and they wanted to use the funds from that to help people visit the mission field. And so this lady, pastor's influence, wanted to send us overseas. And so my wife and I, on our very first mission trip, I was about 40 years of age, we went to Poland. And I taught in a little um, Bible institute there. We stayed with some missionary friends that we knew. Uh, we actually visited on that trip Mike and Becky Peterson uh, in the Warsaw area. And we had a great time. And I can remember on that, that very first morning, they were going to have me, we got, you know, you fly overnight, Friday night, you don't get any sleep. It was pretty chilly. There was uh, ice pellets coming down. This was in May. There was ice coming down on Saturday. I went to this missionary's child's baseball game and I just wanted to sleep is all I wanted. And I was kind of miserable at the baseball game, but we got through that. And then the next morning, uh, here we are in a worship service with Pastor Jan Tavinsky, a real leader of uh, Christian people in Poland, and um, s hearing the songs in Polish, same tunes a lot of times, but different words, and, uh, and two rather well-known missionaries, one from South Africa, one from the United States, walked in, and I was, the, I was the first time I was preaching through a translator, and I was just uneasy as I could be. But what a great time we had cross-culturally with a little, at least a little taste of missions 
uh, as, you know, we weren't older people. We were, but it changes your life when you do that. We, we came back through Heidelberg. Uh, it worked out that we took a train, a quiet uh, train all the way from Heidelberg to Amsterdam. We were in Amsterdam for a day or two. My wife's got Dutch roots. And so that was a special time. And then this lady wanted us to go and see London as well. And so she took care of all this. And on our last evening, just we had about two days in London, we got to see the Queen of England. Literally, we got to see the Queen of England. Closer to me than your pastor is right now. Somebody told us how we could do it, and it all worked out. And right there at the gate of Buckingham Palace, we waved and she waved. And I got it on video camera. And I, I, had, I was looking through the lens of the big video camera, and, uh, you know, almost like a shoulder mount. And I remember, I thought, I, I don't want to see her through the lens of the camera. I want to see her with my own eyes. And when I did that later with the, the video recording, it looked like that John Kennedy had been shot. Everything went crazy like that. And, uh, but it was quite a memory. And now with her uh, funeral pending uh, tomorrow, I believe it is, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's just a neat memory. So it opened, it opened up began to open up our understanding of cross-cultural overseas ministry and seeing things that you just always kind of hear about. And uh, to, to hear Brother Carlisle's heart tonight, and to, we, see, we see the photos, but if the Lord, the Lord were to put on your heart to pray about, and maybe you were like us, you just don't have any seeming means to do something like that, or, or maybe you do. But maybe you do and maybe you can't go, but the Lord would connect you with someone who could go. And what a difference that would make in, uh, in your perspective, as it has now after a numerous mission trips that the Lord's allowed me to go on, uh, how it changes your understanding and heart. My father-in-law, Brother Ken Gamble uh, from New Jersey, said this, and we've always, we kind of say this once in a while to ourselves, uh, wherever you go, people are people. People are people wherever you go. We're all made of the same stuff, and uh, we have a little different cultural differences, but people need the Lord, and there's a way to reach people across cultures. So that's what missions really is so much all about. Well, First Peter chapter 4 uh, verse 7 is where I would like to begin reading. I'm going to focus on verses 10 and 11. And this is going to be a little bit more of a challenge tonight than I think than a full-blown message. But catch my heart tonight as we look at the Word of God, I think, briefly. Verse, verse 7 of chapter 4, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. And then particularly these two verses. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability that God giveth, 
that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Use your gifts for the glory of God. I have a three point simple outline tonight, and it goes like this. God gives gifts. God gives grace. And God gets all the glory. God gives gifts. Every believer in this room has at least one spiritual gift. This passage says, is every man, every person that knows Christ as Savior has a gift. Ephesians chapter 4 underscores the very same idea. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 underscores the very idea that, that God distributes these gifts uh, to every person individually as he will. We, we looked at Romans 12 this morning, how that God has placed us as members in the body of Christ and, and, and every believer has a particular gift from God. Now the Bible speaks about in the ballpark of say 18 to 20 spiritual gifts. Some of those specialized gifts for the early church we believe have discontinued, but uh, there are numerous spiritual gifts that still remain, maybe 12 or something in that ballpark. This is not a technical analysis of all the details of spiritual gifts tonight. And perhaps, perhaps there are uh, gifts, or we might even say talents, abilities that that you have, that God's developed within you, that is your propensity, your ability, your specialty. And really because every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above, then really all of those things can be viewed as things that can be used in the service of God. Paul asked the question, he said, what hast thou that thou didst not receive, and who maketh thee to differ from another? God gives gifts. And along with that, he wants us to be good stewards of those gifts. Notice verse 10, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Our gifts, though we enjoy, if you know your gift and you enjoy the exercise of it, there is, a, there is a satisfaction that comes from that. But actually our gifts are given so that others might benefit from those gifts, so that we might be serving one another and ministering those special gifts to one another. Whatever your gifts or singular gift or gifts, plural may be, those are given to us as a, as a stewardship, as a trust from God. The word steward in the underlying Greek word is the, the word oikonomos. If you listen carefully to that word, it's the, the word from which we get our English word economics. It's in the category of stewardship, oikos, house. In the ancient world, I, uh, the, the oikos or the oikonomos was a, was a household steward. The master would go away for a season and leave the steward in charge 
uh, of the household responsibilities and then would call him to account for how he used his stewardship, how he managed the house. Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 16, Luke chapter 19 talks a little bit more in depth about the, how the stewardship worked out in the ancient world. And it was a serious thing to be given responsibility and one could be well rewarded for how he or she used that stewardship or perhaps could be greatly penalized for that as well. And so we are to be good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Manifold means, can mean many colored. It can mean variegated. It, it has to do with the, the diversity of gifts that are given in the goodwill and plan of God. This passage is not a complicated passage. Other passages are a little more in depth about all the varieties of gifts. But this passage just breaks the gifts into essentially two categories, speaking gifts and serving gifts. It says in verse 11, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. Speaking on behalf of God, explaining the word of God, teaching, preaching, the New Testament early gift called prophecy. These were, these were speaking gifts, exhorting, encouraging is obviously a, generally a verbal gift. People might do it in writing, but uh, these are our gifts. May, maybe you enjoy speaking. Maybe you've cultivated and developed that gift and you love teaching boys and girls or teenagers or college students or you enjoy going to a nursing home and opening up God's word. Maybe you uh, especially enjoy giving your personal testimony and evangelistic outreach. God's gifted you with uh, a verbal gift and you enjoy that. Praise the Lord for that. Perhaps you're not quite wired that way. Yes, we should all be witnessing. Yes, we should all be you know, uh, using our, our lips to speak of the Lord. But there are some who just are not up front, you know, stand up uh, type people. They're not uh, looking for that. They much rather be serving behind the scenes. And, and this passage is saying people like that serve or they minister. There are different types of service noted in the New Testament. There's a type of service we could call worship service. This is uh, the priestly service of the Old Testament. I mentioned that this morning about which is your reasonable service. It has to do with the worship of God. I call it worship service. I won't get into the details on it. There's another type of service that I call willing service. There's a, a Greek verb, a noun. You've heard preachers perhaps use the word doulos or bond slave. The verb doluo speaks of willing service. That that someone would, would serve another person under their authority. This is, for the believer, serving the Lord Jesus Christ under his absolute authority. And yet, Christ does not absolutely conscript us to do that, but rather he implores us to do that, and then we voluntarily submit to his lordship and enjoy serving him. That's willing service. But the type of service that's being noted here is what I would call working service. The word is dokinos or dokineo. It has to do with, as I mentioned last night at the college banquet, this has to do with uh, serving the Lord as a, something like a table waiter. 
waiting on others and serving their needs, being alert to things that maybe other people would miss. And so people with the gift of helps or perhaps administration or perhaps a little bit more of the nonverbal gifts are very, very important. And all of this is so important, not only in any given local church, but it's also important for the spread of the gospel in missions. My daily work, if I'm not traveling, preaching in churches, is to be back at the home office of Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. It's an 80-year-old mission agency. We have uh, numerous missionaries around the country, some who work uh, around the world, some who uh, uh, serve with, uh, I believe, with, with Brother Carlisle or in that region of the, the world, people that I know. I look at our mission agency office. Uh, we have a variety of people that work and serve there. Again, we're not a church, of course, but our people are active in churches. We have our new director is Dr. is Brother John Crocker, been pastoring in Mexico City now for a number of years. John's a younger man in my viewpoint. He's 42, I believe. His wife, Andrea, they have five children. They're just getting settled in. Our prior director was Dr. Mark Vittoria, former missionary to Mexico, served with GFA for about 40 years, 30 years as director. I look at the gifts of men like that who are relational and who are organized and who can calm the waters and who can get behind the scenes and help people who are struggling. You know, missionaries have the, have, are the very type of people that everyone else uh, is. You know that? They have needs and problems and challenges. They have aging parents that they have to sometimes come off the field and take care of. Sometimes they have a difficult child. They have financial challenges. They have health challenges. And there needs to be a network of people in local churches or sometimes in the mission agencies who can help them with their needs. Brother Dale Crawford takes care of our finances in just an absolutely excellent way, taking care of the insurance needs and all of the things behind the scenes. He's very quiet. He, he, uh, he just takes care of things with excellence. We have two ladies who have been with GFA for very many years uh, Chris and Kathy Dewey. Some of you might know uh, these sisters who serve the Lord, and they actually volunteer now at this point in life to serve in our agency, and they work with finances, and they work with other things. We've got some uh, young single girls who help in our financial office. We have some uh, girls who help with communications, and they are just outstanding at what they do. We have an older lady who served in Christian education for years. She's the director secretary. She's taking care of things and she really knows how to get things done. That's the kind of person you've got to have in a, in a mission agency who can kind of a little bit crack the whip on the rest of us and say, okay, guys, get, get it going here. And we appreciate uh, her. Inga Cannon is her name. Betty Rooks is our receptionist. Beverly Beatles helps Alan Patterson, who has been a regional director for years. We have several other regional directors. And I, as far as I know, there's no tension. There's no undercurrent of disharmony uh, in that group. And it's, it's wonderful to see how these people are contributing to the forward progress of the ministry in a variety of different ways. So God gives gifts. 
Do you know what your spiritual gift or gifts are? It's good to be able to identify that. And perhaps there would be a way that that you could connect your giftedness personally to the spread of missions. Let me give you just one little uh, thought to think of. There's a gift in the, the list in Romans 12 called uh, exhortation. It's a gift, I think, of encouragement. Have you ever considered just dropping a note, probably electronically, to a missionary and just let them know personally you're praying for them? Have you ever thought of just doing something kind of unexpected, maybe with someone that you maybe don't even know, and just let them know how much they mean to you? You know, missionaries are pretty good about getting their newsletters out. Some of them send them out electronically, others maybe still in print. But I'll tell you what happened to me some years ago. And I'm no big correspondence person. But sometimes I'm sitting in my, in those days at Bob Jones, in my busy little administrator's life with a lot of going on, teaching, some traveling, overseeing the outreach ministry program. You know, pretty busy guy, I would think, I, you know, in my world, in my life, from my little busy, uh, selfish attitude. But I'd get, these, I'd get these emails from missionaries. And so, and I'm not saying I at all was faithful in getting back with a lot of those people. I don't remember who this was, but I remember I, I thought, now, Bruce, this missionary is giving his life to serving Christ in a, in a remote area. Here you are in the midst of a, of a busy, beautiful place with Christian fellowship and people all around you. Why can't you take a minute and respond back to that missionary and say, boy." Somewhere in there, I wrote somebody like that, and he wrote me back this. He said, you're the only person who replies to my emails. It's not about me. I'm just saying, I I was shocked. I know we get into our routines. I know we, we as people in full time, I send out quarterly reports myself about the ministry that I have. I don't really expect people to write back. But you know, it it means a lot to any of us when someone takes a moment and drops a note, says a word, I'm praying for you, I love you, thank you for your sacrifice, your example means so much to me. You don't even have to have the gift of encouragement to do that, by the way. You could have another gift but that can make a world of difference to a missionary. And somebody goes, oh, they haven't, they haven't forgotten me. So God gives gifts. Secondly, God gives grace. God gives grace. Referred to here as being good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We talked about this in some depth in the men's Sunday school class this morning. I went through numerous passages of Scripture about God's grace. God's grace, I I call it the invisible energy of the soul. 
by which God gives motivation and endurance to accomplish his will. The Christian life is intended to operate on the basis of grace. Surely there are expectations. Surely there are commandments and rules. But what God wants us to be doing is to be loving and serving and obeying him from the heart. And what the heart needs is, is grace. Grace. Divine enablement. We are saved by grace, certainly. But we're also to, to serve with the motivation of the grace of God. You'd be surprised, I think, how many believers are, are a little bit uneasy about taking the next step in their service for the Lord. A little bit uneasy about doing something outside of our comfort zone. Even a thing like giving out a gospel track or helping in some way that's not familiar to us. Over the years, to be honest with you, almost every new thing that I've been asked to do, I've been uneasy about it. I could walk you through various things in my life where it's like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can teach this class. I was called on one time years ago to consider planting a church. The scariest day of my life was going to Forest City, North Carolina with old Dr. Otis Holmes and his, I guess, his Blue Vega. And I knew that when we came out of that day of looking at that town, I was going to need to make a decision about whether or not to plant a church. I believe the Lord led me very definitely to plant a church there. So Ellen and I and our little boy who was seven weeks old started going up to Forest City to planted church. I would have never, ever dreamed that I would have ended up teaching the church planning course at BJU about 25 years. But it started with going, God, please help me. I don't know how to do this. I had never had a course in church planning. I'd never been mentored in church planting. And I could just go right down the line. I remember one time Dr. Bob or Dr. Rupp said to me, we would like for you to go and speak in pastor meetings. I just told Dr. Rupp, I don't have anything to say to pastors. I can't do that. But a couple years later, I was going to pastor's meetings and I've probably spoken in 150 to 200 or more pastor meetings over the years. And it's one of the most favorite things that I love to do. I would have never thought I would work for a mission agency. I would never have dreamed I would speak at mission conferences. Are you with me? I'm just talking about me, my little experience. But if God wants you to do something, he will give you the grace to do it. Want any brother Carlisle? Want any brother Roger? I want to call brother Roger Papias. That's what I want to call him, okay? Instead of Papias. I don't want to get that started. What Sada is doing. 
what the Utleys are doing. What the Utleys are considering doing is really amazing to me. That's, that's way out of the norm. But how about you? Not just missionaries who are, have taken or are taking those big steps. But how about you? Have you and I drawn upon the grace that God has made available to fulfill our giftedness and tap into the manifold grace of God? God gives you the gift and God will give you the divine ability to do whatever it is he's called you to do. And then in the end, God gets all the glory. Notice, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability that God giveth. And why? That, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. God, God gets all the glory. At the end of our life, when God calls us home or comes again, what really matters is not what people thought about us, but what people think and know about God. When someone looks at your life after you've lived and for Christ and given your life and served him and accomplished whatever it is that he has for you. It should be that people kind of are amazed at how God himself has taken and shaped and blessed and used you for his own honor and glory. God gets all the glory for what is accomplished here. I've already mentioned tonight the verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. Paul's kind of implicitly rebuking the Corinthian believers for some of their pride and carnality. And he says, For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? And why dost thou glory as if thou hast not received it? In other words, all of this has come from God himself. Is that how we look at it? We live in a very individualistic culture in America. We live in a culture of success and money and position. And pride. I, I like sports a little, but to be honest with you, sometimes I just get totally uh, turned off at how commentators speak about athletes as if they are gods. Pardon me, that was a little digression there. God is the source of all blessings. He is the source of every good gift. 
He is the means by which we can live out our lives for Christ. He, he gives us the grace to do that. And in the end, he gets all the glory. Paul, quoting Jeremiah, put it this way. He said, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. We rejoice with dedicated missionaries, with dedicated servants of the Lord and God's good dedicated people. But in the end, it's not about us, it's about God. The centrality of God to the totality of life. And so in this missions conference, I'd like to just emphasize tonight, use your gifts for the glory of God. Serve the Lord. And out of that service, those gifts will surface, you'll enjoy seeing God use you in a measure, and you never know, he might not merely do that at home, but he might help you do that abroad for his own namesake. Let's bow our heads tonight together. We've talked today about service. We've talked today about getting on board in God's great team. God's work is teamwork. It well may be that God has this evening or perhaps this morning or maybe over recent weeks and months has been stirring in your own heart about your own need to up your service, to get involved, to get in the game and get busy for the Lord, doing what it is that he's called and gifted you to do? Are there those tonight who would indicate by the uplifted hand, God is speaking to my heart. I want him to have full control. I want to be used by God. In my own heart tonight, I'm, I'm surrendering to whatever it is that God would have for me to do. God's spoken to me. I want him to have his way in my life. You just raise that hand and say, yes, God is working in my life. Would you raise your hand here tonight across the room? I see a number of hands. I'm thank, thank God for that. Tender-hearted people, thank you. A good number of folks responding tonight. You know what the need is. Perhaps you would like to have a little help in sorting through some things. And no folks here would be glad to help you with that. Lord, we commit this time to you. We thank you for the good, tender response of your people tonight, and we pray that you would work in and through each of our lives, we pray in Jesus' name.